Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside the Borough, the FAU podcast for and by fans. My name is Dan, joined by Jack and Shane as usual. Tonight we are going to break down uh, this past weekend's game uh, against UMass. Uh, probably we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Javion Posey's uh, kind of regression to the mean, if you will. Uh, and we'll have um, uh, somebody from MTSU joining us to discuss this weekend's game. So uh, I guess to get started, uh, we can talk a, a little bit about, I think that one of the <laughs> the biggest topic certainly is Javion Posey. And uh, after his two kind of real stellar games, uh, this this was a game that, uh, you know, frankly, he, he played like a freshman. I, I tweeted this out. He played like a freshman against a team that had a week to, to put film on him or, or had, had a week of film to a week to study film. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think there's there, there's you, you can read a read into this game as as much as you want. But I think it's, you know, uh, UMass had a, a pretty solid game plan. They saw where FAU was weak and offensive line. And knew that you know if we really challenge Posey to to pass and make accurate passes consistently, there was going to be some options. Um, but uh, again, I think this kind of this uh, the end of the game really broke down to FAU being more talented and being able to make that that one or two big plays when needed. You know, Javion Posey with the seventy yard touchdown run, a couple timely interceptions, which we maybe will talk a little bit about later. Um, but again, a win is a win in a COVID year uh, like this. Uh, a win is a win. Yes, we, we've we've got some things to iron out with Posey. Um, you know, he's got to be better. Uh, but I think uh, again, defense uh, defense was <laughs> remarkable again. Uh, we we should probably just do a show completely on on how great this defense is doing. Um, and they kind of just get tossed to the side uh, because of because of uh, quarterback situation. But. Um, yeah, Shane. I mean, you you had some some uh, good observations in your uh, your recap on uh, after the game. But what's um you know for for the podcast? What were your what were your thoughts? Yeah, it, it was kind of expected. It's why you know I, I want to hype Posey as well. But you know, the, my biggest fear was just some of the missed open guys. You know, kind of completely not seeing them. You know, I pointed out my piece, the fourth and seven uh, really bothers me. You know, you, you kind of just had Jordan Merrill on a, uh, on an out route and he was open and Posey hits the linebacker in the hands. Those are just kind of the simple ones, right? Redshirt freshman development, all that fun stuff. Played receiver last year. You know, I, I do understand the fact that, again, Lang played my receiver last year. You still want to be able to hit those throws. If you hits those throws, the running game's enough. I think the O-line just struggled. I mean, I took pictures on my phone. I sit up high at the games so we can kind of see how everything's lined up. I mean, teams talk about eight in the box. UMass consistently played with 11 within kind of like a cloud coverage, uh, 11 within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, you can get mad at the O-line, but can't block that. You know, it, you can't block two guys up there. So yeah, that was just, you know, just frustrating. I expect the line to bounce back. They've been good for the most part this year. But, yeah, he's going to have to show something because this game coming up, you, we lose with that performance. Asher O'Hare will make enough plays to beat us. Simple as that. And Middle Tennessee is a team that's kind of gotten better throughout the year. And – 
if we struggle through the air that much, you know, I mean, they got, they got to make the simple plays. They got to hit TJ chase on an, on a go route early in the game for 30, 40 yards, just to get a safety back there. So, I mean, those are going to be the key things to look for. Absolutely. Shane, we're going to have to stretch the defense North and South because we've shown that we cannot handle one of the worst defenses in the nation when they stack nine guys in the box. And like you said, I mean, there, there were those safeties were cheating in the almost the entire night. And I mean, it it took all the way until Posey on that option, either to the outside to Emmons or him taking it up front for the safeties to really finally cheat in to the point where he could blow past them, uh, beat them on them being overcompensating for that. Uh, Listen, they they had six sacks, UMass did. Uh, They had two defensive tackles. One is 6'3", 260. The the other is 6'2", 280. They combined for six tackles for loss, which is almost half of the 13 T4Ls that we saw last week. So, I mean, the offensive line, they did have their hands full. But like you said, when you have so many guys in the box, there's only so much they can do. But, oh, go on, yeah. No, yeah, I just said it mostly. It honestly looked like a lot of confusion. How much confusion? Who to get? One guy was going to the second level thinking, and some people were just getting free in the backfield. There are a lot of guys in the box, and that stuff can be coached. You know, Federico Mangers is still young. He's had his great moments this year, and he's also just had – he truly has had freshman moments at right guard this year. Nick, you know, you saw kind of the things when they started to try and go fast, the Mm -hmm. false starts, you know. uh, Yeah. You know, I do want to address a couple frustration fans have that we need to relax with. First of all, the calling of the timeouts consistently not to get delay games. That's part of being a freshman quarterback. You know, there's a lot of times where they're out there and they're looking and guys aren't getting, you know, posied that time. You can tell he's looking at the sideline, looking indecisive kind of with his calls, just in the same way as dropping back and being indecisive. Sometimes you're indecisive on where you want the guys to line up and who should be in motion. Also, uh, you know, I thought it was really curious in this game, kind of the receiver rotation, right? But let's just be clear. G, uh, TJ Chase had by far the most snaps at receiver. The slot was even. If you look at uh, Willie Wright, LaJonte Wester, and Jordan Merrill's snaps, they all had like over th- between 35 and 41. So they were pretty consistent rotating those guys. And as for the opposite receiver, uh, you know, Brandon Robinson did get the most snaps, twice as many. You know, they did use Willie Taggart and B.J. Alexander a little bit out there. I think they like to use Willie Taggart Jr. because, one, I think he knows the playbook. He seems – and he's pretty fast out there. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say B.J. Alexander hasn't looked explosive as I thought as he would be. Uh, and, you know, you know Brandon Robinson's just Mr. Dependable for FAU. And, uh, yeah. The coaches have talked about that all week in their press conferences. He's become the new John Mitchell almost. But, yeah, people really wanted to get on Willie Taggart Jr. on that first deep pat ball, I think, in the second drive of the game where it seemed like he stopped running. He lost and that it. Just seemed, huh? It looked like he lost it at some point. Well, He's, yeah, I think, I think there was a miscommunication. J.B. Posey was rolling out a little bit. And he threw it deep, you know, just kind of those things. But well, I will say one positive that I did like, they got Larry, uh, I mean, Malcolm Davidson had two catches. That was nice. They got yeah. him involved in the passing game. 
I want to see more of that. Want to see more of that. Any, you know, a different way to get him involved. Yeah, if we're not going to utilize those quick bubble screens, I'm a big fan of to Wester or really right as much as I would like, then it'd be great to utilize, especially a fast back like Davidson, who's so explosive on a quick screen to kind of counteract uh, the blitz or the opposing defense is stacking a lot of guys in the box. I want to go back to what you said, Shane, about um, Posey calling timeouts to avoid delay of games. I, I agree. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but remember we saw Toronto do that as well early in the season. So I also think it's just maybe a playbook thing in general, because I, I, I trust Tronti. I know he's, he knows the field enough. He knows where the play clock is on the field, which is something that's important that not a lot of fans really think about. Um, but it, again, we got we to gotta think for a second. This is a team that did not have spring ball, hardly had summer ball, and had to take a good amount of time off of fall camp, off because of COVID. Uh, and, and they're still five and one. So there's still going to be some things that they have to work on. So if they need to take a timeout to figure it out, that's no big deal. Take the timeout. Yeah, I, I, I'd rather do that than get Posey in a bad play. and He does the Absolutely. catastrophic thing. You know, that's what we got to avoid. Like the fumble on the second drive of the game, you know, where he truly, you know, Posey's biggest thing, as we can tell. Yeah. He fumbled versus FIU, had the quote-unquote fumble at the two-yard line. Wasn't, but still close enough. And then on the second drive of that game, he's got to stop being so loose yeah. with the football, um, you know, and he, that's what concerns me. And this hopefully week. that will improve over time, just like how we kind of think his passing should improve over time, but on, only time will tell. No matter what, the passing game is going to have to improve by this Saturday, or we're going to be in trouble in Murfreesboro. I, I think none of us are really sleeping on middle. So, um, I mean, we're, we're going to have Joe Spears um, on one of the Middle Tennessee beat writers about that. But, I mean, it's we, we've said it before. They're going to stack the box. They have Blankenship, who's been at Middle Tennessee for, it seems like, longer than Brent Stock still has been at Middle Tennessee. Uh, they're star safety there. Um, really good defensive player. And we're not going to be playing an offense that's not going to be able to put points on the board. Middle Tennessee will score eventually. And even against this really good FAU yeah. defense, it, it will happen. And that's just because Asher is just too it, explosive. It's, He's a playmaker. And they don't have to score 34. This is a game right. where, like, if you're Asher O'Hare, I got to get, get maybe a turnover, we score, maybe get 10 points off good field position. And then I got a couple make do a couple Asher O'Hare drives where I convert a couple – fourth and fives, third and fives on a ride dive and pitch the ball and kind of grind their way. And I get 20 points and we win 23. They literally right, like that's by how, 20 points last week. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, it's exactly how they're thinking. And plus, you know, we're kind of talk about this. I mean, and we talked about this. We'll talk about this with Joe Spears. Every FU fans knows this is the ultimate house of horrors for FAU. If it can go wrong in Murphy's bro, it's going to go wrong. We're going to get the bad call. Like when Devin had that first down on, uh, and they gave Devin Motor Singletary the terrible spot in 2018, mm -hmm. which led to the stock still. You guys remember the review? Yeah. I, I try to Lane block most of that out, dude. Yeah. And then the stock still throw. I mean, I, I even totally, we were talking, I forgot about the game where we blew the 14 point lead with under five minutes to go in Charlie Partridge's first year. Um, 
you know, we all know the Hail Mary game for back in the day. So it's just, it, it just feels like that game where I'm going to be watching it and I feel like something's going to go wrong. Right. Cause it's just, that's what happens when we play middle Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you have a young quarterback and again, like we mentioned, an offense that's still trying to find its identity that doesn't really know the playbook that well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we do win this game, build a statue of Willie Taggart because any yeah. coach that can get a that can get a win in that Murfreesboro and <laughs> just, it gets a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, FAU is one, uh, we're, we're five and 12 against middle and we, we, uh, we've won one time in Murfreesboro. Yeah. The, you know the the miracle in Murfreesboro from 2004. It took a, it took a miracle for us to win in Murfreesboro. Like and we weren't even FBS then. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you you've got to. Uh. Again, anything can go wrong there. Um. Uh, but I I do kind of have a little bit more faith. Um. I, I do have faith in in the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I think that they will now that they have had, you know, likewise, UMass had um, a, a week of tape for, for JV on Posey. Uh, I think we've, you know, middle is going to be studying that tape as well to, to, to mimic a lot of what we do. I, I trust our offense, um, our, our offensive coaching staff to make those adjustments as well. Um, the, you know, to, the, the thing to, was, though, right here's the thing. The plays were against UMass were there to be made. It's yeah. not like they got they're gonna drop. That's true. I mean, they were there. there yeah. We could out count them. Yeah, you could go in and you could redraw up and make some adjustments. But Javion Posey has to see TJ Chase running across the middle, going like this, arms in the air, <laughs> on a third and eleven. Yeah, you know the Michael Irvin kind of pop pass play. Got to oh, yeah. even though you're under oh, pressure. Man. That's the design of that play. You're just bring everyone to me. You're gonna be wide open. You got to hit that. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that was, that's that was a frustrating, you know, it's, you got to make those plays. I could tell you there's countless times and just it's, you know, football is a simple game people and FAU does run pretty fun route schemes. If you're at the game, you can kind of see how they kind of run. I would say it's, it's a little bit even different than what lane runs. This, there's even a little bit more complex, but man, when UMass has playing man coverage against a, former four-star Clemson player, you guys be able to throw the ball up and get it. That's it. Yeah. Like you're just asking for it. Like we did, he did at the end of the game, he finally hit one. You just got to hit that two times in the beginning of the game and make you mask. Okay. Right. Like we can't do this. It, uh, yeah. I mean, the key is just going to be to avoid mistakes, avoid whether it's the missed pass when we're trying to extend the defense North and South uh, and limiting turnovers. If Posey plays like Driscoll, then we'll be fine. If he tries to play like Posey at FIU a couple weeks ago, believe it or not, we, we couldn't be in some trouble because I don't think the rushing game entirely is going to get the job done. As much as I would love for that to happen, it's not going to do the trick because we know Middle's going to stack the box after watching film from the UMass game. Yeah. And then um, I, I do want to give uh, – uh, we've talked mostly, really mostly about Posey, but again, give it up uh for the defense give the defense a a, a huge shout out because we you know we we finally got those uh finally got a, a turnover there was that 
uh, I joked that there was one play where we had two opportunities for an interception. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, I wrote it. It's been comically close. Yeah. It's not like they haven't deserved turnovers. It's been, yeah, that Amon Ross had one where he, he was halfway to the end zone thinking the ball was in his hands and turned around yeah. and it went the, you know, he read the play all the Roman Munchkin. I mean, he's, he had two he's more. Been, he's been I mean, two inches away from having 10 interceptions this year. Yeah. Like right. it, it's, and, you know, shout out to David Bevelin, long time out. This is fifth year here. Finally got an interception. Good for him um, on senior night. Yeah. Uh, again, another game where we, we did not allow a touchdown, um, which is, is is amazing. I mean, like this, this FAU ha- has had some, some amazing defenses. Um, I don't, it, it's, it's kind of sucky that this is the season that, that to, you know, the season that it is, but there, it's pretty, um, pretty impressive. No, no matter, you know, no matter what you say. Quick question. Maybe our fans can help us out. I actually tried to do a little bit of research. I don't want to go down the full rabbit hole. When's the last time after you had a safety? Not we got to say, like we had a, we, they, they blocked a punt for a safety. When's the last time FAU's been on the losing end of a safety before this? Anyone remember off the top of their head? I want to say yeah, Marshall. It, the, the last time we beat Marshall in 2017. Oh, it, we ran um, it out of the end zone. Yeah, yeah that's right. The end okay. zone. Good one. Okay. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was on purpose. So 2019's game against Marshall, we actually gave up another safety as well. Okay. So that's the last one. So the last time I think we scored a safety was probably Tulsa 20, what is that, 2014? Buffalo at home, 2015. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to block that yeah, game from my memory. Yeah, you, there's a lot of blocked games in your memory. <laughs> oh, <laughs> basically the, the entire Charlie Partridge years, except yeah. for that one FIU win and the UF loss in overtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Buffalo. Well, if we're wrong, any fans, feel free to tweet at us and correct us. That was like the 5,000-degree game, too. That was uh, – Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so we'll, um, I guess, wrap things up uh, recapping uh, the UMass game, and uh, we'll move ahead to Middle Tennessee. So please enjoy this interview with Joe Spears from Middle Tennessee. All right. And uh, as we've done so far this year for just about uh, every single game, uh, we are fortunate enough to have uh, a beat writer uh, from this week's opposition. Uh, and this week we have Joe Spears, uh, who is uh, one of MTSU's beat writers. Thanks, Joe, for joining the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So I, I guess um, kind of I've been leading everybody with this question is, can you just kind of give us uh, a summary of this year's uh, this year's Blue Raider squad? Yeah, so it's a weird it's a weird group. Um, they start off the year with two blowout losses to Army and Troy. Um, they got a shutout against Army, forty two to zero, and then they lost to Troy, forty seven to fourteen. A, a lot of offensive issues early on, which was kind of shocking because we kind of figured that would be the strength of this team coming back. Asher O'Hare is back. A lot of their skill guys are back, um, but they turned it over a ton. Uh, early on but then they go into conference play they lose to UTSA by two and again that's kind of back and forth they had a lead UTSA took a double digit lead and then at the end they just kind of the same issues at times a lot Asher's really progressed I would say from those first two games but 
the offense as a whole, especially in the running game. The running game really struggled this year outside of North Texas and last week against Troy, but just a kind of an inconsistent team. They're not, I wouldn't say they're as bad as their record shows, um, but they've, it just seems like they can't win. Like they had North Texas beat. They were up 24 to 28, 14 North Texas inserts Jason Bean uh, into the game and he just runs all over them. Um, triple doink against Rice. That was a heck of a game. And then uh, Marshall just Marshall. That game was actually seven to seven. They were driving down to tie because uh, Marshall went up 14, seven right before they have. They were driving down to tie the game at 14, turned it over. Marshall immediately scores after that, and the route is on. So I don't think this team is as bad as its record shows. Defensively, they played really well. They've just been put in some, into some bad positions. But I think last week's win over Troy was a huge stepping stone for them. Yeah, we were all watching that game against Marshall pretty uh, closely down in Boca. Joe, you were talking about Asher O'Hare. Shane and I, we, we've been talking about this all year long. Uh, I am probably the president of the Asher O'Hare Stan Club. Uh, I've been trying to get Shane on board. Uh, he, he might be warming up to it. You talked about his progression this year. Remember that blowout against Army in West Point and how there's a lot of turnovers. And then all of a sudden, they, they played Troy a second time. Uh, and the offense is somewhat improved. Still not, uh, you know, what we're used to seeing from a stock still type offense, but something better. So what has changed over time from the blowout to Army to now the offense starting to find its identity? And in, in particular, what has Asher done differently? He's cut down on the turnovers. That's, that's the big thing. I mean, he turned the ball over five times total between those losses. I think he had four interceptions and a fumble. Um but he's reading he's reading progressions much better. He turned the ball over against UTSA, but he also threw for 350 yards and had three touchdown passes, also ran a one in and two. But um, he's he's just playing smarter football than he was in those first two games. And I think getting benched in both those games really took a toll on him. I think that kind of opened his eyes of, you know, you had this great season last year. The record four and eight, it wasn't great, but you yourself had a great season but that doesn't mean you're not susceptible to getting benched. Now, Tony Franklin, the offensive coordinator said he regretted benching Asher for those two games, but in hindsight, you really look at it. I think that helped him. I think he's really played well um, against Western Kentucky. He was all of MTSU's offense. Uh, the run game wasn't there. They lost that game 20 to 17. And if he got some help, they, they would have beaten Western Kentucky. I would argue that they probably should have, Um Against Rice, he had a great game. Against North Texas, he finally got some help in the run game from Shaton Mobley. Last week, he ran the ball 25 times. Uh, I mean, they, they, they rely on this kid a lot. He's not the greatest passer. He's not Brent Stock still, where he can just sling it down the field. But he's a dynamic runner. And I think he's also – I think the biggest thing that Asher, he'll admit this, is he's not – his first read isn't to run anymore. He'll actually look for receivers – um, he didn't he didn't do that a lot last year. This year, he's got guys. Jaron Pierce has emerged as a great receiver for him, very consistent. Yusuf Ali has really opened my eye. He's, he's been incredible, too. C.J. Wyndham was great. They lost Jimmy Marshall for the year due to an injury, but they've got the guys, and it's just a matter of Asher getting the ball to him, and he has been. It's just can they get the run game going to help him, and that just hasn't been there this year. 
speaking of run game, it does seem kind of like Middle Tennessee's biggest weakness this year has been stopping the run. It's the one thing I actually feel confident about uh, going into this game for FAU that, you know, with FAU's kind of offensive struggles with the young quarterback that they can just lean on the run, similar to what they did against FIU. Has that gotten any better? It seemed like it improved from one game to the next with Troy. I, you know, all to me, that swing is kind of impressive, but it just seems like everyone else has just run for whatever they wanted on Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I think, I think it has, I think um, maybe since Rice, uh, it, it, the run, the run defense has been better. I know Marshall ended up with 185 yards on the ground in the end, but they held Brendan Knox under, under a hundred yards. Um, they really did well last week. I mean, in that first meeting, Troy ran for 240 yards on him last week, they held Troy to under a hundred yards. So I think that's, I think the defense side of the unit, they they're playing better. Um, especially you look at this year to last year. I mean, it's like a completely different team. A lot of what they've had to deal with is the offense, especially early in the season and against Marshall, I guess as well, but turning the ball over or having a quick three and out and immediately having to go back out on the field. Um, that that's what really killed him in that first Troy game. Um, but I think over these last three games, it would have been interesting to see how they did against Charlotte, but that game got postponed. But I think, you look at these last three games and especially like I said, against Marshall, Marshall's averaging over 200 yards a game on the ground. And for the first three quarters, the run game wasn't there for him. It wasn't until the end where the defense is just kind of shot from being out on the field so much that Marshall really did their damage. Humorous Joe is Brandon Knox overrated real quick. I don't, I don't think he is. I, I thought, oh, I think man. He, you would have been right home with us, brother. You would have been right home with us. I think, I, I don't know. I, like I said, they held him in check both this year and last year, really. He, he didn't rush for a hundred yards against them last year either. So I don't know. I, I think he's a good running back. I, I really like the kid out of UAB and I can't remember his name. Spencer, Spencer Brown. Brown. I, I really like him. I like his game a lot. Um, we haven't gotten to see a lot of him obviously this year with COVID, but I don't know. Brendan Knox, he wasn't their primary focus on the ground in that game. And I think MTSU really game plan to slow him down after seeing what they've seen him do this year. Do you think that's something that we could see middle try again this week? I mean, they saw the success UMass probably had when it came to stacking the box, a lot of stunts in the front four, uh, really just plugging the in between the tackles. You think you'd expect middle to do the same thing this week to really hone in on stopping the run? Yeah, I think they will. And I think they trust the secondary enough to do their job at this point. Um, you got Greg Great, who's really emerged as I would read Blankenship. We all know what he can do. He's, yeah. he's been a staple of this defense for a while. But Greg Great, in my opinion, has been their best defensive player this year. I mean, he's been all over the field making tackles. I mean, he made that transition from corner to safety so seamlessly. Um, and they really, what was that? I was just going to joke, Reed Blankenships has been at MTSU, I think, since FE won the Sun Belt. Yeah, he's been there forever. <laughs> it, 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 it has been good to see him back after that injury he suffered last year. It was a, that was horrible. That was a brutal injury. He's outside of that Army game and maybe Troy, where he was still getting his legs under him. He's been he's been incredible this year. But I I think I think I, I agree with you. I think they will they'll they'll make FAU earn the run. Uh, they'll, they'll make them earn it. Uh, they trust their secondary enough to do their job. And I think last year they, 
that was really a big downfall for him is you got the FAU was able to pass on him. They were able to run, just kind of do whatever. And turnovers really played a key in that game as well, from what I remember. Um, but I think they really trust this front seven stock's been impressed with how they played these last couple of weeks. And I mean, statistically they're playing much better than they did last year. It's just kind of, like I said earlier, this defense, I think, they've just been put in a bad situation time and time again. Scott Schaefer has done a great job with this unit. Joe, I, you've been covering FTSU for a while, and we were joking about before we kind of hopped on this podcast how, especially in Murfreesboro, uh, it has been just anything that can go wrong for FAU has gone wrong for FAU in that stadium. Do MTSU fans kind of realize that, notice that you guys had a nine-game winning streak over us where – you know, and we all know the games that have been mixed in. We talked about it earlier, the, the Hail Mary right. game in 2008, 2008, the Austin Grammar uh, comeback with two touchdowns with a couple minutes to go, you know, the Stockstill game, you know, and then everyone remembers, you know, Middle Tennessee scoring 77 points, just going wildcat. Right. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I – I think, I think it's kind of, they know, I don't know, because I feel like you really look at FAU over the last couple of years and FAU's really turned into a staple of one of the best teams in conference USA. I mean, Lane Kiffin really changed things there. It seems like, and now this year, I mean, outside of that Marshall game played well. So um, I don't know. And I, I think these last couple of years have been trying times on MTSU fans. They're not used to seeing this team have a losing record like this, you know, and they're used to them playing those power five teams and losing those games. But now you're seeing losses to um, Rice last year at home. That was an unexcusable loss. Um, you lose to just teams you really shouldn't lose to. You lose to North Texas this year and last year those are games you don't see lost very often. You lost to Western Kentucky two years in a row now in games that were close, but you're not winning. So I, I think it's kind of a mixed bag right now. You're seeing kind of an inconsistent team. I know my Twitter feed when they're down is it's, it's, it's something. Um, and it's been a lot of that in these last two years. This begs the million dollar question. And I, do I even have to ask it? Here we go. Been something MTSU fans. It seemed inevitable at the beginning of the year, but, it seems like MTSU always does this thing where they just do enough. Right. Is, are we going to see a change and just in stock still this year? Is it kind of time? Is this just what MTSU football is? Or is, is it just, there they're just happy being with this? Is there enough financial might to make a change? Right. Yeah. Cause he's got that $5.86 million buyout, which is, uh, it's a lot <laughs> say the least. So, um personally I don't think you they will there will be a change this year with everything going on I think unless you're in just such a dire situation to get rid of your coach um I don't know if you're winless at this point if MTSU was winless at this point if they had lost to FIU if they had lost to Rice if they had lost to North Texas or not North Texas they had lost to Troy last week you know, I, I think that'd be we'd be really looking into that. But also, I mean, I talked to Stock still three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and I asked him, I said, Are you guys viewing this as a mulligan year? He said, No. He said, This is I'm frustrated with how we struggled too. 
And honestly, since that North Texas game, it seems like a completely different team. They're not all the way there. They're not going to compete for the Conference USA title right now. They're not there, but they've shown improvements. Um, and outside of Marshall, where people, the fans were upset with that result. I mean, if you really look into that, I mean, it was for that first half, it was close. And then Marshall's done what Marshall's done all year and blew things open. But I, I think I, I understand the frustration from fans. I hear it all the time, you know, fire stock still, all this other stuff, yada, yada, yada. I get it. If my favorite team was struggling like that, like they have been in the last two years, I'd get it. But you also have to look at the fact of rebuilds happen. This team still has a bunch of talented player, players. They're going to get a lot of those guys back next year because of everything that's happening. And you also have to look at the fact that Brent Stockstill was here for a long time. He's the most successful quarterback in program history. I mean, he's probably he's the best player in program history. I'd say you had Richie James here for a while and Richie James is in the NFL. You have all, you have all these great years under Stockstill, but you also have the, you know, they haven't won a conference cha championship yet. You have the losing record in bowl game. So I, I get both sides of it. I really do. But I, I think you won't see a change this year. It'd be interesting to see what happens next year. But again, the financial side of it too, it's it's just not there. Yeah, definitely um, a, a, a real challenge for uh, for that program. Joe, we appreciate you being on with us. Uh, for uh, for FAU fans or anybody listening that wants to uh, get hear a little bit more from you, where's uh, where's the best place for that? Uh, I'm on Twitter all the time at Joe underscore Spear seven. You'll see a lot of MTSU stuff and occasionally high school stuff, but just follow the MTSU stuff. <laughs> well, it might be good to check out what's uh, what's going on in Murfreesboro and for high school yeah. football. For now, yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> all right. Well, we uh, we really appreciate it, and um, uh, we'll hopefully we'll have a pretty entertaining game this weekend. I hope so. I think it'll be a good one. All right. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that interview um, and we had some more exciting news, uh, different sport basketball seasons right around the corner. Jack, what do you got for us at that? Yeah. So uh, basketball is finally here. Starting Monday, they're going to be playing South Alabama, an old Sunbelt conference foe who's going to be looking pretty good in the Sunbelt this year. That game's going to be Wednesday night. We're going to be having coverage on the Owl's Nest um, all week long. For this after South Alabama is Jacksonville State, then an NAIA team before the Owls come back to Boca. So interesting season. Uh, we will be playing UF later on in the year and NC State as well. So some big names as well. Once again, pinch me if you heard this. It's Jalen Ingram's team. Uh, we just got to see if we can find a new number two. If it's going to be Mike Forrest or someone else. It'll be fun, fun season, hopefully. Have they... I, I'm sorry I'm, if I'm completely oblivious to this. Do they have – are they allowing fans at, at home games in any capacity? Good question. They... That I do not know. We're still working through the process of getting credentialed and everything. I, so I don't know if even FAU basketball knows yet. No, it's all right. I, I, I do know that they're taking this quite seriously and they're, they're trying to figure out a way to make all this happen. I, I think there will be some fans, but I think there's also going to be some separation – from the court and the fans, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this is all speculative at this point, but I don't think fans will be entering courtside at the borough like they used to. They might have to sit up top in the upper deck. So we'll, we'll see. That's all speculative, but considering how we're dealing with the press credentials, 
we're not going to be allowed on the court. Got so it. you can kind of put two and two together. Got it. All right. Um, I'll put you in those cool suites. Yeah, it was actually, those aren't bad if you've been in there before. I, and I you went get to an a nice view of the brand those. new video board as well. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys joining us uh, during uh, during this episode. Always appreciate your feedback and, and you tagging along with us. So uh, as always, make sure you're checking out FAULSNAS.com, uh, following all of us on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, remind that you can get this podcast everywhere, FAULSNAS.com, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we're like just under Joe Rogan. It's like Joe Rogan podcast inside the borough on Spotify. So uh, if you look at us there, you'll you'll find us. Um, but uh, Google Podcasts as well. So uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, you joining us and we will see you guys next week. Go Owls.